Separation of church and faith. Is your pastor afraid to preach worldly issues, sensitive culture issues, or heaven forbid, political issues? I say it's high time for pastors to preach the whole counsel of God. Let's go bold. I'm Scott Patton. Thank you all for joining us today for the Go Bold Podcast. Consider hitting that like, subscribe, and share buttons on our YouTube channel. We'd also appreciate it if you would like and follow our Facebook page at the Go Bold Network. We're even on MeWe now, so go check out our MeWe page. And also check out our website at the GoBoldNetwork.net. That's GoBoldNetwork.net. The greatest strategic danger to the lost, in my view, are silent and timid Christians. And here on the Go Bold Network, we're going to call out the persecution, the deception of Christians in all forms. And we will be bold and we will stand up for King Jesus against the cancel and the Marxist culture. And now to our top story today. As you see that beautiful, beautiful picture of none other than Thomas Jefferson. He said back in the 1808 when he said erecting the wall of separation of church and state is absolutely essential in a free society. Now, I'm going to ask you guys something today. The question is not separation of church and state. No, that's not the question. I know that's what we have up there. That's not the question. The question becomes separation of church and faith. I want you to hold that thought. Now, just for the record, the the question of separation of church and state in my view, is null and it's void. And it was settled many years ago with the First Amendment of the United States. Thomas Jefferson wrote in 1802, and he penned that letter that you saw, to the Danbury, Connecticut Baptist Association. wonder what those ties were to that association. In which he described the First Amendment as erecting a wall of separation between the church and the state. Man, I'll tell you. Good thing that there wasn't a Southern Baptist Seminary presence back then. They would have called for, they would have called Thomas Jefferson a fundamental or a fascist. Can you imagine that? But here's what was designed. The First Amendment is you not see how the free speech apocalypse that we have today, and especially happened in the pulpit. The First Amendment was designed to keep the state out of the church, not the church out of the state. Free pulpits and a free press cried. Our founders. The First Amendment has not changed. No, it has not. And that is why one church has never, not one in the history of our country, has ever had their tax exempt status removed. Yes, the Johnson Amendment. Now, now that's a whole nother podcast. But I want you to let that sink in. We have, we have, we have convinced everybody that you can't do that. I want you to look at that there. That's uh, Gavin Newsom. Yeah, that that <laughs> that Marxist governor from California. Yeah, I said that. He is a Marxist, and he did win, and that's up to the people of California. If they want to elect the Marxist, that's okay. But here's why that Marxist governor, Nellie Newsom, he might have won the election of the day, but he's losing badly in the courts right now for his tyranny of church restrictions because for the exact reason that I just quoted with the First Amendment. Exactly the opposite of what many Marxists will tell you today and the lies that the liberals have been telling us for years. But like many things in America, the goalpost keeps moving, Charlie Brown, 
it keeps moving Charlie Brown. And, you know, you guys remember Lucy when she would hold the ball for Charlie Brown and she'd move it out of the way? <laughs> That's what the politicians have been doing to the churches for quite some time now. If you repeat a lie often enough, people will believe it. And the context I want you to keep in mind here is so many pastors in the past 50 years have been afraid to preach politics and the pulpit because they're afraid of this thing called separation of church and state. But I want you to think about it. The socialists and the politicians have ridiculed them beyond belief, and they've made us scared. And then they co-opted a lot of, of, of Christian elites. You see that picture of Andy Stanley and Russell Moore. And today it's even more profound, especially with preachers in Billy jeans and smoke screens and popcorn machines, that mantra that has plagued even the most conservative denominations like the Southern Baptist Conventions. But are we really talking about church, separation of church and state? Or is it separation of church and faith? I want you to let that sink in. I would say it's the latter. Because the church, denominations, and many pastors in America have redefined faith. And I will submit to you, this is why we're in the crisis that we're in across our world today. This is not the first time this has happened. <laughs> Paul saw it in Rome. He saw it all. If you ever look in Acts 20, that's where I'm getting my inspiration for this today. This podcast comes from Acts 20. Why don't you go to Acts chapter 20, verses 27, 29, as you see there on the screen. For I have not shunned, declares to you, the whole counsel of God. Let that sink in. You know what Paul's telling us here? He's saying preach, preachers, the whole counsel of God, not some of it. Now let's go to verse 28. Therefore, oh, What's the there, therefore? Take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you, what? The overseers to the shepherd of the church of God, which he has purchased with his blood. Verse 29, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Man, what some incredible insight of Paul. Paul is telling us to preach the whole counsel of God. God's word's crystal clear on this, the whole counsel of God. Not just some of it, not just parts of it, not just John 3.16 or John 19.30. Those are great verses. Those are foundational verses in the Bible. I'm going to tell you they are. But if you must make disciples, and if you are going to make disciples, you've got to preach the whole counsel of God, not some of it, not part of it, all of it. Romans 1, Matthew 5. Matthew 19, Genesis, all of it. Genesis 1:27. The whole counsel of God is going to crash with the Bible. Yes, with the world. The whole counsel of God is in the Bible, and it's going to crash with the world. It's going to crash with the world culturally. It's going to crash in the world politically. I don't know. Homosexuality, same-sex marriage, LGBTQ+, adultery, drug trafficking, you know, with fentanyl that kills about 100,000 people in America every year, teenagers and young adults, the biological warfare that we see going on with China, abortions, murder, abortions, murder, and our flock needs to hear this from their shepherd. Yes, they do. We have been conditioned not to preach or discuss any of the aforementioned because in the Bible, because there is there of uh, the separation of not church and state, but church and faith. That's what I'm going to submit to you folks. 
because we have redefined faith in America. Yes, yes, preachers, pastors, reverence, preach foreign policy in the pulpit, talk about it, national defense, military matters. Yes, they do. They do. Look at the book of Kings. Look at the book of Joshua. My goodness, you had all kinds of military matters. I mean, this, hello, McFly. I mean, I don't know. There's a guy named David. He's a pretty good war fighter, too. Well, you shouldn't be preaching politics in the pulpit. What's a preacher going to talk about military matters? I remember the other day, I can't remember if it was on, uh, it was on Facebook or, or, um, or Twitter. I got criticized. Oh, my goodness. And, the, and the, the question was, well, preacher, if you're a pastor, how, what, what does Biden's policies towards China have to do with the gospel? Somebody, some snotty, probably liberal elite Christian, you know, you know, you know who I'm talking about. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Here's the deal. When I preach towards China and the Biden's administration's policy, it has everything to do with the gospel. Why is that? Fentanyl. And also Afghanistan. Here's the deal. It has everything to do with it because my flock and my community is affected by fentanyl because it is leads to meth and it's come across our border. We're going to talk about that here in a second. As you see that picture of Mary Fallon. Mary Fallon used to be the governor of Oklahoma. And Pastor, I was at a conference in Houston, by the way, this week. Uh, great conference uh, put on by liberty pastors it was really cool and we're going to talk more about that in, in future episodes but pastor dan fisher tells a story of when he was an oklahoma state legislator that back in 2014 oklahoma had an abortion bill that was very similar to the recent uh, uh texas abortion bill that just you know that was passed and the supreme court has withheld now now although governor mary fallon a republican and was uh, let me just say, probably the worst governor in Oklahoma history, and I know we've had some bad governors in Oklahoma. We've had some really good ones. We've had some bad ones. I would say I would rank her right up there at the top as being the worst. But who ran as a very conservative Christian. She told the legislature, you give me that bill, I'm going to sign it. But guess what? She got buckled to the pressure of Christian businessmen and some moderate Southern Baptist Convention pastors that thought the bill was too extreme. Fisher goes on to say that he had a conversation with one of the Christian businessmen that killed the bill. Fisher wouldn't name the man, the businessman he's talking about, but this is, this is in this conference we're at. But he, he told him, and this is, the, this is the quote from the businessman telling Fisher this, that it happened that the businessman says, I quote, I happen to be a Christian. I have to be a businessman that just happens to be a Christian, not a Christian businessman. Folks, I want you to let that sink in. Now, this is just one example. And the governor, Governor Fallon, would not sign the bill. And since then, many babies have died. Yes, they have. But I want you to let this sink in what the man said. He said, the, Christ, the, the businessman said, I am a businessman that just happens to be a Christian, not a Christian businessman. Now, yes, that's easy to throw this guy under the bus, but is it really? 
you can throw it's really easy to throw rocks at this businessman clown that claims to be a Christian. But I'm gonna ask you something, are pastors or church members any different? Therein lies a problem. There is no separation between church and faith. Zero. Won't you let that sink in? Won't you look at this next picture? See, what's happened is we have compartmentalized our faith across America. We have, and you're seeing the consequences, in my view, are deadly. Look at that. We, we, we compartmentalize things. Okay, we've got church in this box. We've got recreation in this box. We've got speech. We've got family. We've got work. We've got the Internet. We've got thought. We've got taxes. They're all separate because society, the world, has convinced you they're separate, but Jesus never did. Jesus never did. The Bible never does. Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek first his kingdom and all will be given to you. Seek first his kingdom. That means that Jesus wants to be first in everything, not something. He wants to be first in everything. Your family, your recreation, your church, your work, your taxes, your thought, your internet, your speech, everything, your politics, everything. He didn't say some things. And when the COVID-19 crisis blew, uh, blown to another level, our churches and flocks have this mentality. We're going to separate everything. I will worship on Sundays, but not Monday through Saturday. Because you see, I got ball games, I got school, I got shopping, I got birthdays. And here we are in this gigantic spiritual war, and Satan and his demons have convinced us that this, this is how it should be. And this spiritual war that we're seeing in America. America's at the mall. If they're not at the mall, they're sitting on the couch, they're eating Doritos, and smoking mer medical marijuana. <laughs> now, I want you to look at that picture. That was from this last weekend. There are 100,000 football, there are 100,000 people in a football stadium. You saw it at Ohio State, you see it at Oklahoma, you see it, uh, man, you see it at Oregon. You saw it at Penn State, Happy Valley. Who saw that game the other night? You know, you had, you had 100,000 people in the stadium. None of them had masks on, okay? They're all jammed in there. They're singing, they're, they're chanting their team, okay? And then I want you to look to the right. In many places, you're seeing this across America. You're seeing these churches, okay? socially distanced with their mask on because we told you so. Don't you dare defy us. And if you preach about it, preacher, you are going to vote. We're going to take your tax-exempt status away. Separation. No, there's a wall of separation there. Imagine, imagine. What if that football stadium was a revival? That 100,000 in Happy Valley, Pennsylvania. What if that was a revival? You, the Marxists would be coming unhinged. What instead, instead of chanting your favorite football song, you're chanting the, the gospel, gospel songs. Man, I, you, you talk about unhinged. CNN would go off the charts, MSNBC. The Democrats would, would, would lose their mind. Biden would, be, would probably want to nuke the place. All right? I believe the number one issue in America, and I believe it, it's going to lead to the collapse of our country. If you are teaching your children you cannot separate your church from your faith, you're, you're in the wrong, wrong business. It's not, the it's not the separation of church and state. It's the separation of church and your faith. The question is why. The question is why. God's word is clear. I want you to go back. I'm going to show the scripture again. I want you to look at this verse 28 specifically. Therefore, see that verse there right there? Verse 28, Acts 20, 28. Mark that in your Bible for me. Therefore, what's the there, therefore? 
<laughs> Take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer to the shepherd of the church of God. Shepherd of the church of God. You see, the Holy Spirit has made you overseer. He's talking to preachers here. Yes. So what's it there there for? God's word says, take heed to your flock. And you know what it's there there for? It's a pulpit, stupid. I said that. It's a pulpit, stupid. Preachers and pastors, you were called, you were called to be a pastor, not hired. Huh? You weren't hired to be a pastor. You were called to be a pastor. To shepherd the church of God. Period. And you wonder why our flocks are in the condition they're in. I'll tell you why. It's a pulpit, stupid. It's a pulpit, stupid. You wonder why the Southern Baptist Convention's in, 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 in the condition we're in. It's a pulpit, stupid, because we've been told so long you don't need to speak culture. You can't speak culture. Now, I'm going to take you to a survey that I saw that just blew my mind, and some pastors are talking about it at a conference I attended this last weekend. Back in 2014, over seven years ago, the Barner Group, which does a lot of surveys, this survey of pastors, and 90% of pastors, and a lot of them were in the Southern Baptist Convention, and they believe that the Bible has a lot to say about the pressing political and societal issues, but less than 10% are talking about it from the pulpit. Researcher George Barna is quoted here about his research project. Let me give the, the quote to him. He's going back, even going back as far as 2012 in which the Barna Group asked pastors across the country about their beliefs regarding the relevancy the relevancy of Scripture to society, moral, and political issues and the context of their sermon in light of their beliefs. What he found was startling, folks. When we asked him about all the key issues, 90% of them are telling us, yes, the Bible, God's Word, speaks to every single political culture and every issue that we're seeing cropping up all across the country right now. Barna told the American Family Radio this. And then he said, what we did then, we asked him, well, are you teaching your people? You're talking about this, what the Bible says about these issues. The numbers dropped to 10% of pastors who say they will willingly speak about these issues. Folks, that was seven years ago. You go back, and that's, that was when the survey was taken. The data was coming from 2012, so it's almost been eight, nine years ago. Look where we're at today. I go back to the question. The question is why. Two major reasons from the survey. You know why five pastors told them they would not speak about these things? I'll tell you why. There's really three. There's really three. I said two reasons. There's two major reasons and another. Number one, attendance at church. Number two, Tice. And number three, the pastor's popularity. Folks, I don't know what Bible those preachers are reading. And this Bible, attendance, ties, and popularity, okay, that doesn't, they don't exist. They don't, they're not reasons that pre, uh, preachers preach the whole word, the whole counsel of God. This is just also you know, the, the current state that we have in the Southern Baptist Convention. We have so many leaders that have sat on the fence. Balaam's donkey is giving no <laughs> quorum to any of this. And they, they give lawyerly answers and just saying, no, 
No, no, this is wrong. No. You see there, a former Southern Baptist Convention pastor, J.D. Greer. And I'm just going to tell you for the record, guys, I think J.D. is a, a godly man. I think, um, and I'll tell you, when he first started as president, I, you know, there's some, a lot of things that I really did like about J.D. And I'll just tell you the other day, guys, I just prayed for him. Now, I know he's not our president of the convention anymore, and I just prayed for him because I have come to really dislike a lot of things that he did. But I still prayed for him the other day. But he's the former president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And I think J.D. is a microcosm of what we're seeing in the world. There's a lot of other people. But he was asked right before the presidential election, J.D. was asked, is it okay to vote for a Democratic presidential candidate? Okay, and of course, he doesn't name it, but it's Joe Biden, okay, in the context of when this he was the only one at the time. Okay, and according to the Capstone Report, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, J.D. Greer, called on evangelical Christians to be willing to critique any candidate they support. And I'm going to quote Greer, and he eventually told this to the Christian Post. If at the end of the day you look at it and feel whoever the Democratic candidate is, you feel like all the different things, this is the better of the option. Well, that's great. It's J.D.'s word. That's great. But make sure you're clear about the witness of the abortion, make sure you're clear about the preciousness of religious liberty and the right of conscience and the fact that people need to have dignity to make their own choices and to provide themselves. Okay, (laughs) this is what J.D. says. Just make sure whatever side of the other side where you voted. That's great. No, J.D., it's not. It's not. This is exactly what I'm talking. Now, if J.D. Greer was a CEO or he was a lawyer or he was a politician, that's an incredible answer, isn't it? But as a pastor, it's terrible, and you're seeing it right now. What's happening? What's happening in Afghanistan? What's happening with China? What's happening in our country? What's happening with all the judicial nominees? What is happening? What is happening to the horrible things that's happening in our country right now? God is out. And J.D. knows God's word. He knows God's word. But I think what's happened, and he is, he is, he is, he's a microcosm of many pastors, not just in the SBC, but in the Presbyterian Church, the Methodist Church, all across the country. They're afraid. They're afraid because of attendance numbers. They're afraid because of tithing. They're afraid because of the mainstream media will call them out on CNN or MSNBC. His answer, again, was a great CEO answer. But here's the thing, guys. We are not hiring CEOs of churches. CEOs are not callings. The problem, J.D. was called to be a pastor. He was called. Being a disciple of Jesus, okay, is hard sometimes. It's hard all the time, as a matter of fact. Coach Davo Swinney once said, BYOG, bring your own guts. Being a disciple of Jesus is a rough outdoor and indoor sport. Jesus didn't say, go pick up your medical marijuana, your six-pack of beer and your bag of Doritos and your beer gut and follow me in your couch. Uh-uh. I'm going to quote George Barner again. I'm going to quote him again. The reality is that most people, including pastors, wish to be comfortable to avoid controversy. If the primary goal is to see people leave Sunday morning feeling good about themselves and feeling comfortable rather than seeing the holiness of God or the whole counsel of God, or the ugly reality of sin. 
You see, here's the thing, and I tell my congregation this all the time. If you feel good about the sermon, okay, when you leave the church that day and you just, you're fired up, you know who did that? The Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God gave you that, not Scott Patton's words. But you know what? If you're feeling guilty, you're feeling bad, you're feeling convicted, I don't have the power to make you feel good or bad. I just have the power to preach God's word. And sometimes you're going to walk out of one of my my sermons, you're going to walk out feeling maybe like a million dollars. Okay? You're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to feel like you could conquer the world. But you know what? Scott Patton didn't do that. The Holy Spirit of God did that through this beautiful, beautiful book. But sometimes you're going to walk out of one of my sermons. Oh, that preacher's picking on me. He's making fun of me. He just knew what my problem was, and he was just digging at me. He was just picking open that scab, and he was pouring iodine in it. He was pouring salt in it. No, I don't have the power to make you feel good or bad. Okay, but the Holy Spirit of God does. And that's what we have to start doing, guys. We have to preach the good, the bad, the ugly. Pastor, you will answer to God for doing your own will rather than declaring God's will. Can I get an amen in the comment section somewhere? I want to close with this picture. Beautiful picture. The issues of the day that confront our church. See that picture? When you are weak. When you are scared, when you are victorious, be strong, be brave, be humble, be awesome. The issues to confront our day, our nation, guys, they got to be dealt with in the pulpit, all of it, every single bit of it. I don't care if you're talking about elections. I don't care if you're talking about local politics. I don't care about North Korea or China or LGBTQ plus or, or whatever the issue is. Pastors, you have to speak to it. God's counsel requires it. You see it. All of it, not some of it. If we're going to make a difference in people's lives, the culture is going to be impacted. This includes areas of marriage. This includes areas of divorce. This includes lives. This includes family. But it also includes honesty, servantship, leadership. Yes, political, politics, the rule of law, pastors and disciples. You were called, not hired. If you don't get anything out of this today, Preach the whole counsel of God. Understand there is no, no separation of church and faith. God bless you and go bold.